God is good all the time. Amen? I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for connecting here uh, in person. Those of you that are online, thank you for connecting. I believe God has something to, uh, to impart to us today. God does every day. You know, Sunday, some people think Sunday is this really special day, and it is. But every day is really special when we are able to spend it with God. And in this country, we have freedoms that so many countries don't. And uh, sometimes it becomes so common, so easy, that we don't recognize what a great, great privilege and gift we have because of the freedom that we have, because of the service of so many to keep that freedom. Amen. Uh, today we're going to continue on learning about uh, growing and how God has for us to grow and what, what should come as we grow and mature and develop. Uh, but before we go there, I just want to share an announcement about what's happening on June 19th. Uh, that's Father's Day. Some of your dads looked up and, well, what, what? Uh, it is Father's Day. We will celebrate Father's Day. But we also have a uh, guest speaker who is a lifelong friend uh, of Debbie's and mine and this ministry uh, and one of our missionaries, uh, Rabbi Stuart Winograd of Reach International In Initiative. And he's going to be coming in on the 19th and speaking to us uh, about what's going on, what you've been supporting, we've been supporting in Ukraine and other places in the world. And he's also going to share a, a timely word, a rhema word with us. Uh, the Bible talks about the word that is for a moment in time. Just God has it specifically. And he's, he's got a word for us through Rabbi Stewart. But one of the things we're going to do, and I wanted to inform you at this point, is um, we, want, we always give an offering to our guest speakers, and they are always blessed because of it. Uh, but we're going to do something that we rarely do, and that is send another offering with, with uh, Rabbi Stewart, and that is to help them continue their work in the Ukraine. You know, sometimes things are ongoing, and we don't hear as much about them, uh, as we used to, but uh, one of the things that if you get their newsletters and, and he has information on how to get that newsletter, uh, you'll be informed regularly about what they're doing and the challenges they have and the God sightings and breakthroughs that they're having, and it is, it is supernatural. It is amazing, and we are a part of that, but we sometimes become lax in, in how we pray for those things and how we support them. And so we wanted to make sure that Rabbi Stewart and, and their whole team would realize we are committed to supporting them in prayer and finances over and above what we commit monthly to them. So be praying uh, as to what God would have you sow. And you can be sowing from now until then, but make sure when you sow, you put on the envelope, this is missions for Ukraine, okay? Everybody got it? All right. Well, this morning we're going to continue on. We learned last week how important uh, from Jesus and from the Father, how important it is that we grow, and as we grow and mature and develop, that we bear fruit. And in, in John chapter 15, verse 8 and verse 16, these are the words of Jesus. And how many of you know, as Christians, we ought to, we ought to really take strongly the words of Jesus? Are they important? Are they as important as other people's words? Right. 
And I'm asking you obvious questions, but just to impress us, we hear a lot of things from a lot of people. There are all sorts of experts that are talking to us every day about how important it is, whatever they're promoting or whatever they're standing behind or whatever they're supporting. And in, in the oceans of information that we're exposed to every day, we need to make sure that we don't just lump Jesus' words in with all the other words, because it's easy to do. But Jesus and his words should stand exponentially above all the other words that we hear. And so these are words of Jesus. And he says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So Jesus is giving us some really, really valuable information, key information for our lives. If we are his true disciples, how will we show it? By producing fruit, right? Didn't Jesus say, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another, and that love is fruit. And so this is a clear indication. Jesus is explaining to us, you know, all sorts of people may call themselves my disciples. How many of you know that happens all the time? People say, I'm, I'm a Christian. Do you know that Christian means Christ follower? I'm a Christ follower. But you don't see them following anything that Jesus said in the Bible. As a matter of fact, their, their lives divert from what Jesus says in the Bible. And so He's telling us, this is, this, is, this is what I am telling you. If you are my true disciples, you're going to bear fruit. And it's going to affirm that you are my followers, my disciples. And on top of that, it brings glory to my Father. And as a child of God, we want to bring glory to our Father. You know, as a human being, we want our parents to be supportive of us, to be proud of us. You know, so many times it just, it shocks me. It shouldn't, but it does. I, I, I hear people in prominent places or places of opportunity uh, who have these moments in time where they're doing something out of the ordinary and, and they're asked, what's motivated you to do this? So that my dad would be proud, so that my mom would be proud. Well, I want you to know that, that God loves you, but when we bear fruit, it honors him. It honors him. It, it brings glory to him. Now, the, the last week we looked at this in the Amplified where it says, when you bear, produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified, and you show and prove to be true followers of me, true followers of Jesus. Because in these days... There are so many people that say they are followers of Jesus, that they're Christians, and yet there is no fruit in their lives. And if we are Christians, it demands fruit. Fruit must be present in our lives for others to know that we're Christians. And then in verse 16, it says, you didn't, and Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you or ordained you. Ordained you, sets you apart for a specific divine purpose. I ordained you 
to go and produce lasting fruit. So in these two scriptures, within just a very short portion of this letter, this gospel, we see Jesus revealing the importance of fruit. And we've been, we've been learning about this and how, how we need to be uh, uh, as valuing fruit as Jesus does, as the Father does. And sometimes we just want to live our life and do what we do the way we do it and not really give thought to what's being revealed in our life. Who is, who is being revealed as the one that we're honoring and living for and living with? And, and it should be God in every case. But this fruit is so important, not just for what Jesus said and what the Father said. That's enough. But Jesus also told us that fruit is so important to us in our interactions with each other. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 and verse 20, Jesus again, recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus again says, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So we're supposed to know people by fruit. And how many of you know fruit doesn't come in a week? This fruit is seasonal. Aren't there different seasons for different fruits? Okay. And, and understand that we aren't going to know people by a lot of the means that we try and know them today. Because of, of the information that's available to us on the internet, a lot of people present themselves and, and just like we used to do before the internet. Can you remember back that far? That before the internet, we would always want to make the best first impression possible because there's never a second chance to make a first impression. And so we always kind of elevate or ramp up how we're going to interact with people. But how many of you know that in that interaction, in that moment, you don't really know what that person's like. You know what they want you to know. And on the internet, it's the same way. When, when you go and you find out, you know, there's somebody that's saying this and doing this and all that, and you look at their lives and you say, wow, that's amazing. Their life is amazing. You don't know everything about their life. And, and because of the fact that we don't have enough interaction or time to know fruit, it's, it's spawned an industry that is necessary in these days for us to interact on the internet with people. And, and that is background checks. Because we don't know. All we know is what they put in front of us, which is all they want us to know, which in almost every situation is only part of the whole of who they are. And until we see people in all different situations and environments, we're never going to know who they are because we're not going to know the fruit. If somebody, all you know about somebody in, in, in life is what they're like in good times, how many of you know you just don't really know them completely? You know, we, we oftentimes, we just want sunshine. We want happy days. We want easy street. We, we want what's comfortable. And there's really nothing to us really showing who we really are we can manage that in the easy times. But how many of you know it becomes more difficult to 
present a false front to hide what we don't want people to see when the pressure's on. Hello? It's true. And so we, we have to have a company delve into somebody's past and find out about them. One of the things that we do here at this church, because we want to do our due diligence, Miss Lynn and her team and, and Jeremy and his team, we do background checks on every person that works with any of the children or any of the youth because we want the safest environment possible. We're not, we're not trying to do anything bad. We're trying to do the best. But some people aren't transparent. Some people aren't honest. And we can't trust what everybody tells us. But if we see people over season after season after season, we're going to better know who, they're, who they really are instead of what they want us to think they are. Amen? And so this fruit is, is really important. And this fruit, you know, when we talk about fruit, there's a variety of things that the Bible talks about as fruit. The words of our mouth, our lips, the works of our hands, our body, uh, our thoughts. Trees and vines have fruit. Seeds have fruit. Land has fruit. Uh, ground has fruit. Cattle has fruit. There are works. Our works are a type of fruit. Um, what we do is a type of fruit. There's righteousness, and then there's the fruit of the Spirit. Jeremy was talking to us today about the Boilermaker. He was standing in front of the signs that are hanging in quests that, that uh, um, were made by one of the quest leaders, and it was the fruit of the Spirit, and that's when God is in control. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit that results when we allow God to have His way. And how many of you know God isn't always allowed to have his way in our lives? Come on, guys, you got to help me more than this. Yeah, we, we don't always allow God. Sometimes we do what we do because it's what we've done. Uh, we do what we do because it's what we've seen done by somebody else. We do what we do because of, it's what we feel. And all of those things are not going to produce what God intends because the Bible says if we sow to the flesh, these are the works of the flesh, we'll reap corruption. Or if we sow to the Spirit, if we let the Spirit of God have His work in our lives, then we'll reap everlasting life. And when the Spirit of God is allowed to work in our lives, when God is allowed to work in our lives, when the Word of God is allowed to be our guide in our lives, then the fruit of the Spirit this fruit that points to God and people see that we're different. Different than we used to be. Different than what other people are. But listen, not better, different because of God. And so as we looked at this, we came to understand that uh, this fruit, that people can look at us and learn about us. We can look at other people's lives and learn about them. Uh, it, it doesn't just come in a minute. It doesn't just come in a week. Fruit comes over a course of time. And like I said, we all want, you know, we like sunny days, don't we? In, especially up here in upper, up, upper New York State. Uh, we get a sunny day and there are people that just go out like me and look up and say, oh my gosh, that's what the sun looks like. <laughs> and you just stand there and you say, oh, this feels so good. Could I have another day of this? Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Even, even on Sundays, there's a battle that goes on. When we have a sunny day on a Sunday, people are tempted to, 
go out to the sun and worship the S-U-N instead of the S-O-N. And, and we've got to be we've got to be aware of that because it almost seems like there aren't that many days and we want to make the most of it. But if all we had were sunny days, what would the environment be like? You'd say, well, I, it'd be great. The places that have sun all the time with nothing but sun are deserts. And we need the rain. We need some diversity, and yet we don't like it. We don't, you know, when it's raining out. As a little kid, I used to love rainy days, and, and our boys grew up loving rainy days. There was a day Debbie went out shopping, and, and it had poured. And where we were living, there was a huge mud puddle that was right by the end of the driveway. And the boys were like, oh, it's raining. And I said, yeah, let's go out. They went, What? I said, yeah, let's go out in the rain. And so we went out in the rain, we ran around, we slid on the grass, and they looked over at the mud puddle. And I looked at them, and they looked at me, and I thought for a minute, and I said, what do you want to do? We want to jump in the mud puddle. So they went over and jumped in it, and they stopped. And they looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they said, can we swim in it? And so they got down and they're rolling around in the mud. They were absolutely filthy. But they were having the best of times. And Debbie came home. (laughs) And she drives in. She's got the windshield wipers going on. And she looks at us. She looks at the boys. And then she looked back at me. And I told her, I said, it's okay. I'll hose them off before they come in. And, And yet... It was, it, was, it was a wonderful time because of that rain. It was almost a better time than some of the sunny days that we had had. And that's where we can't, we can't want and expect to live in an environment or a life that it's just sunny every day. There's going to be rain. We need rain. And we're living in a fallen world and there are going to be storms. There are going to be difficult times. There are going to be troubles. There are going to be trials. There are going to be tests. There are going to be temptations. There's going to be pain. And yet, we would naturally want to think, well, you know, only on sunny days do things grow. But things grow when it rains. Things grow in the storms. And that's where we looked at last week, Psalm 4, verse 1, where David writes, someone who knew a lot about troubles and difficulties and tribulations and pain and disappointment and frustration. And he said this, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have enlarged me when I was in distress. You've enlarged me when I was in distress. And last week, looking at this, we found out that to enlarge means to grow, to develop, or to mature. All of those things are good and necessary and proper with anything that is alive and healthy. They should grow, they should develop, and they should mature. And, and when something matures, like a, a, an apple tree, we know an apple tree is mature because it begins to bear fruit. There is fruit that's produced in that maturity. How many of you know maturity isn't related to age necessarily? 
You know, all you have to do is look around. You see, a lot of people that have lived many years chronologically on the earth, but they're very immature, very childish. And then there's the other where people have not lived so many years, but they have become very mature, very, very fruitful. And, and when you look at that, you realize that those that didn't mature, they weren't willing to grow and learn. Those that did mature, they were able to grow and learn even in the most difficult, demanding times. And that's why he says, you've enlarged me when I was in distress. Distress, that trouble, that pain, that disappointment, that tribulation. And sometimes in our lives, it's those times that are more difficult that we go through as we look to God as we listen for God, as we're, we allow God to pull back the curtain on what our experience is to show us what he's able to do. We grow. We grow stronger. We grow more secure. We grow more confident because of what God was able to do in that situation. And yet many times what we want to do is we want to avoid that. When the storms come or the difficult times come or, or the trials come or the tribulations come, we just want to say, God, get me around this. Get me out of this. And that's why people don't mature because they're looking for escape instead of being enlarged. Relief instead of growth. And, and I've been guilty of it. I think we're all guilty of it one time or another where we, we don't want to endure this. We want to bypass this. And when we just bypass things, when we avoid things, we don't grow the way we need to because God knows the path that we're on and there are going to be things that come into our path. We live in a fallen world. Things happen. And we have to face them head on knowing that we don't face them alone. And then become what God said we already are, and that is overcomers. We come through them. We overcome them. We don't avoid them, but we have victory through them because of God. And when you have a victory in a situation that was overwhelming or unwanted or undesirable or difficult, you're able to go through that and look back and say, wow, look what God did. Look what God did. You know, that's what the wilderness was all about for Israel. God brought them through the wilderness. Did he mean to? Yes, he did. Not 40 years. That was their choice. But it was the purpose of the wilderness for Israel was for them to learn and become confident before they faced the promised land and the giants that were in the land and all the things that they were going to have to endure and overcome, that in this environment that was so hostile and inhospitable to life, that God was going to be able to take care of them with every need they had and become so confident, so secure, that whatever they faced, God could take care of them and would take care of them. And that's what God still is doing. 
We're going to go through things, and we need to go through them looking to God, relying on God. And as we go through and pass on, we look back and say, God was so good if we've let God have his way. If we've not, we're tempted to blame God. God, what's going on? Where are you? Well, my question really is, what did you look for? Who did you look for? And who did you allow to have their way in this? Because God's word promises he'll work all things for good, right? Is that all the scripture says? God's going to work all things for good all the time, everywhere for everyone? No, and, and we need to know the whole scripture or we're, we're just trying to capture what we want selfishly. God's word says he'll work all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Why is that important? Because when we love him, we align with him. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my, my commandments. And so when we love him and are called according to his purpose, here to fulfill his purpose, he can work everything that comes into our life for good, no matter what, what was the origination of it. If it was the enemy or it was just part of the, you know, the fallen world that we live in. But that's where we need to realize that in these difficult times, God, God can grow us if we're willing to let God grow us. And so we can't avoid, look to avoid things. We need to look for God no matter what we face. And uh, we, we also need to realize that he's going to do some things that are maybe counterintuitive to us, unexpected. How many of you know God's ways are different than ours? And yet we want God to do everything the way we want it. But how many of you know God's ways are better than ours? Always better than ours. And his timing is perfect. And we have to trust in that. And, and today we're going to look at something that Jesus spoke. Again, the words of Jesus. He's teaching people and trying to help them understand in a parable about life. But before we do, I just want to pray. So if you bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you, Father, for being with us here, with us, those that are online. We thank you, Father, for uh, your word, your word that is life and health to those who find it. We thank you for health and healing today for your people as your word goes forth. We thank you that your word is truth and it sets captives free. We thank you for freedom that comes today as your word goes forth. We thank you, Father, for your word that's light. It's a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We thank you for for illumination and revelation and transformation that comes today in our lives so that we'll be better informed and aware than ever before about truth that sets us free. So, Father, we thank you for what you're going to do today in our lives. We thank you for what you're going to impart to us and entrust to us to be able to walk out these days ahead and be able to help others with. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? So we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 13, there's a parable there. And uh, um, it's a parable about a fig tree. Now, many times Jesus would teach in parables because it's easier for people to understand word pictures. And, and this was one of them. But scholars say that when Jesus would say, like the Good Samaritan, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he said a certain man, it was 
indicating that there was an actual man that this happened to. And so he starts out and says he began telling them this parable, a certain man. So likelihood is, according to the scholars, they believe that this was an actual story that people had heard of and a situation that had occurred. A certain man had a fig tree and had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, but didn't find any. So he said to the vineyard keeper, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I've found none. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground, depleting the soil and blocking the sunlight? So in this parable, he's got the owner of the vineyard and of the fig tree. He's got the worker who is employed by the owner, the vine dresser or the vine keeper. And there's vines in this vineyard, obviously, and there's a fig tree. And he's come out, not for one year, not for two years, for three years he's come out. Now, how many of you know when he would come out to the fig tree, it didn't look like the trees around here in December? Right? What do trees around here look like unless they're evergreen trees in December? They just look like sticks. Right? He went out to this tree expecting. He was not a, a, an ignorant man. He wouldn't have walked out to a tree that had no leaves on it. So it was lush with leaves. And he walks out to this tree and he looks at the tree and he starts to inspect the tree and look for fruit and there's no fruit. He does it one year, he does it the second year, and he goes out the third year. And the third year he goes out just like he had gone out the first two years. And he looks through this lush tree and finds no fruit, and he is frustrated. Now, does he have a right to be frustrated? Absolutely. It should have had figs on it, but it doesn't. And so he says, all right. You know, he just reacts, cut it down. Why should it rob the vines around it of the nutrients of the soil and of the sunlight and of the water? Get rid of it. And, and the vine keeper or the vine dresser, he's been taking care of this tree. Three years, he's been nurturing this tree. And, and he's not as quick to say, cut it down. And so looking at verse 8 and 9, we see what the, the vine dresser, how he responds. But he answered and said to the owner, sir, let it alone this year also. Until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, cut it down. So in this moment, we've got the owner that's, you know, he's, he's, he's upset. Chop this thing down, get it out. And the vine keeper says, give it one more year. I, 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 I know it can have fruit. Give it one more year. Let me have one more year with it. How many of you know a year is a long time? Especially if you're looking forward to something. That, that year seems like two or three when you're looking forward to getting something at the end of the year. And so this is a big sacrifice for the owner. But the vine keeper says, just give it a chance. I'm going to do some things. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig around it. 
and I'm going to fertilize it. Now, many times when we read the Bible, we sterilize it. And, and this was very evident when The Passion of the Christ first came out. Do you remember that movie? When it first came out, people were like, I want to go see it. I want to go see it. And then people would start going to see it, and then you would hear these reports. I wish I hadn't gone. It was a terrible movie. I can't believe how bloody it was and how gory it was. And because we read the Bible and we sanitize it and we make it nice and it's not real life. And when we started to see what it was really like when Jesus went to the cross and how he was beaten with a whip and he was beaten up by the guards. Do you know that the Bible tells us that Jesus was so badly beaten by the guards they couldn't tell who he was by looking at his face because it was so distorted and swollen? And when we read this, we tend to want to sanitize it. Okay, dig around it and fertilize it. When, when you think about fertilizing, you know, I think about a guy out in his yard, because I've been that guy, I'm behind a little green thing that has two wheels on it and a handle, and I walk up and down, and it's little white pellets that drop out. That's fertilizer to me. Do you think they had Scott's Turf Builder back then? Well, I want you to know they didn't. And so in the Amplified Classic... The translation goes this way, and it's a little more descriptive. He replied, leave it alone. Just one more year. I'll dig around it, and I'll put manure on the soil. Right? Another one says, I'll dig it and dung it. The two Ds. But when it says manure, that gives us another, another perspective. Right? Doesn't it? Fertilizer, manure. What is manure? You don't even want to say it. Well, we'll, we'll make it nice. Poo. It's poo. So he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig around the, the tree and I'm going to put poo on it. There's another C word that I could use, but I won't. <laughs> but here's, here's the picture. We're like trees. We're supposed to bear fruit. God's looking for fruit in our lives. Other people have a right to look for fruit in our lives, and they should see the fruit of the Spirit. They should see godliness in our words, in our actions, in our attitudes. They should know when we talk about what we're thinking about that they're God-honoring. That's fruit. And if there's no fruit, God's going to do something about it because he believes in us and he knows that we can bear fruit. And just like this tree, he's going to dig around. How many of you know he wasn't going to go out there with one of those little hand spades and just turn over a couple of pieces of, of dirt? He was going to dig up around that thing and in the roots. And why would he do that? Because it's no fruit, but why why would he do that? What was happening that would hinder the growth of the tree? The soil was so compacted in 
that it hindered the roots from growing. But listen, if, if we take the place of the tree, the tree's just there. You know, I'm green, I'm growing, sucking up nutrients, I'm taking up sunshine, life is good. And then somebody comes along and starts messing with all the things that are keeping you secure. When they start to loosen up the ground around the tree, there's a feeling of disruption. There's a sense of lack of stability. Listen, if you don't understand what it's like to have instability in your life, whether it's physical or emotional or relational or financial, you won't understand this. Because a lack of stability is very unnerving. Before I had my surgery, my back surgery, one of the things that was causing me such distress is I had great instability in my left leg. I did not know each time I would step out with my left leg that it would hold me. Now they found a cyst in my spinal cord area that they removed that was pressing on the nerve that caused my leg not to work. But I will tell you that it was unnerving to me. It was I don't know if I can take this step. I don't know what's going on. And I would have to fight through that, sometimes better than others. But all of a sudden, this tree is starting to feel instability. What's going on? This is not good. But I want you to realize that sometimes our stability isn't coming from God. Our stability is coming from this and that and the other thing, our routines, our familiarity, our confidence in this and our confidence in that, and our stability should come from one. That's the Lord. Because all this other stuff can change. If your stability is in your ability to communicate and gather people, you know, that can change. People can turn on you in a, in a, in a moment. If your stability is because you're so well-educated or you're so financially secure, that can change in a moment. Ask the people of the Ukraine. Their lives have been monstrously disruptive. It's, it's been so different. And if their stability was based on their currency or, or their their security in their neighborhood or in their government, they'd be a mess. And there are a lot of people that are just that. But those that have put their trust in Christ, they know no matter what, they're still secure because their God is God. Debbie and I, before we moved up here, when we were looking at moving up here, we, God had blessed us just tremendously in so many ways, and one of them was through the jobs that we had. And, and financially, we were, we were very prosperous. And God blessed us, and we were able to bless a lot of people. But we knew God was our source. And, and we've told everybody, we know God's our source. Our source isn't, you know, the job. It isn't our bank account. It's God. And we believed that until we didn't realize what the truth was. Because when we came up here, we ended up using all our savings to be able to do what God had for us to do. 
And if I had trusted in God, he had been my source of security and stability, it wouldn't matter. When the bank account went down, I'd still have great security and stability. But what happened was when the bank account numbers went down, my stress level went up. My anxiousness, my fear went up. And God was showing me that what I said, I deceived myself. I didn't know the truth. And you know what? You and I, we don't know our own hearts. The Bible says our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The only one that knows our heart is God. We want to believe that if we were in that situation, we'd handle it this way. But we don't know, but God does. And sometimes God has to pull some things away from us. Not in a destructive way, but in a way that helps us realize who we're really depending on. Who are we really trusting in? Who are we really relying on? And in that moment, I realized I had lied to myself and everybody else. I had trusted in what I had and what I could control. And I had to make a very, very uncomfortable acknowledgement that I wasn't where I thought I was. And I need to get to the place where I was trusting God, casting all my care upon him. And as time went on, we continued to see things change and we continued to have great peace in the midst of it because we realized God, God can take care of us no matter what. But he had to disrupt some things. There are going to be some things that get disrupted in your life. Things that you've relied on. Now, is all of it God? No, not all of it's God. You have an enemy out there. He wants to disrupt your life. Well, how am I going to know if it's God or the enemy? It doesn't matter. Well, what do you mean it doesn't matter? It does not matter. You handle them both the same way. If it's the enemy, who are you supposed to trust? And if it's God disrupting some things in your life, who are you supposed to trust? Don't make this rocket science. God makes it real easy. We're supposed to trust God in what things? All things. In what circumstances? That's right. So if, if he's disrupting some things, not in a destructive way, but it's going to feel uncomfortable, unfamiliar, and undesirable. But we've got to be willing to be enlarged in our distress, just like David. We need to grow. We need to become more mature, more developed as we go through this. And then the vine dresser says, I'm going to put manure on it. Fertilizer. Poo. The C word. Right? Something we all look forward to. Man, I can't wait for more. And yet we don't realize when, when we talk about manure or poo or poop, help me understand what, 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 what comes to mind. Is it something you want owed to poop in your house? No. What? All right, let's, let's, let's just break it down a little easier. If you've got a dog and your dog runs around in your yard, how do you react to the poo? <gasps> Look, there's poo. Wow. 
you're going to avoid it. You're going to throw it out because you don't want it. What happens if you step in it? Oh, look, poo. You're going to be like, oh, stupid dog. But that's our natural reaction. But we need fertilizer. What does fertilizer do to something? It stimulates growth. Right, Mark? Mark's a gardener. He uses fertilizer. I don't know if he uses the poo fertilizer, but he uses, fer- he uses cow. I, at one time, was devoted to working with poo. Some of you know this. I worked in the uh, sewage department down in Georgia. We would, we would take human waste and, and clear the water of it, dry it out, throw it in trucks and truck it away. But I'm telling you, it stunk. It was tough working there. But one of the great benefits was there were the best tomatoes and melons that you've ever seen in your life. The sweetest, most, most amazing things. And people would come in on a regular basis and say, you know, we want, we want some of this stuff. To fer- and we'd say, what for? Well, we want to fertilize our yard. No, you don't. Yeah, we want to fertilize our yard. No, you don't. Yes, we want to fertilize our yard. How much is it? You can take it. And invariably, we'd have people come back in, in a few weeks, and they'd be like, your fertilizer stinks. What happened? Did it not make things green? Yeah, it's green and growing, but... We have all these tomatoes and melons in our front yard. We said, we told you. But see, that's where, that's where it just causes growth to occur. And, and we need fertilizer. We need to become unstable, to become stable in God. Not dependent on the things of the world. We need fertilizer to enrich our lives. And, and when we talk about manure or dung or something like that, when, when Mark was talking about the fact that he uses cow manure, all right, what does that come from? Obviously cows. But how does it come? What's the process? A cow eats the grass, which is alive and it's full of life and, and breaks it down and it gives the cow life. And all of a sudden it passes through the cow, comes out the other side. And these are now broken down pieces of life that still are able to give life. When you go through difficult things, there's a process that goes on that gives you new insight, new awareness, a breaking down of those things so that you can have a new perspective, new understanding, new appreciation of what God can do in situations you never dreamed he'd even be involved in. And you grow through it. You become absolutely more confident because you look back there and you say, oh my gosh, look what God brought me through. And it's no different than David when he wrote that psalm when he was in difficult times. And David was the same one that faced the giant When he faced Goliath, he was able to face Goliath and say, you know what? God's going to put you in my hands. He's going to give you to me. 
because he's the same God that gave the lion and the bear to me, and you're not too big for him. You notice he didn't say, you're not too big for me. You're not too big for my God. And he had become more confident because of what he had experienced in difficult times, trusting God, going through them, that he could face the next even more difficult time and be absolutely secure, confident that this wasn't going to be too big for God either. He had gone through the poo of the lion and the bear to be able to stand against the giant. It gave him new perspective, new understanding, a new ability to be at peace. Like it says in, in, in the book of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. Have joy and peace. Be patient and even kind in the midst of this. Be good and generous in the midst of this. Have self-control. Be faithful to God. This fruit shows the true difference between posers as Christians and the real deal. Man, we can all look good on a sunny day, but what happens when the bottom falls out? That's when the fruit really shows up. And the world needs to see fruit. Needs to see fruit in our lives. Needs to see us honoring the Father needs to see us verifying we are true followers of Jesus because nothing can separate us from our God. That whether it's sunny or raining or storming, we still have the stability and security because we are rooted and grounded in God. We are confident in Him and we will bear fruit in every season, in every circumstance. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. The only way this happens is by relationship, connection, dependence on, and trust in the Lord. And that doesn't happen because we come to church. Doesn't necessarily happen because we read our Bible. Doesn't happen necessarily because we pray. All of those are good things, but they're not the first thing. The first and most important thing is that we recognize who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. We repent. We turn around from running our own life. And, and we give our lives to the Lord. We repent of our sin. We receive his forgiveness. And then we rely on Christ day in and day out so that we can not only experience the abundant life, but also share that abundant life with others. If you've never turned to and trusted in Christ, I want to pray with you today. And if that's you, I just want you to let God know this morning, whether you're here with us in person or you're online, God is there with you. God cares about you. He always has. And God has better for you than you could ever receive any other way, but it's going to take you 
making a choice to turn to and trust in Christ because he'll never force his will or his way on anyone and receive him as Lord and his forgiveness. I'm going to invite all of us to pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I am yours. Guide me, govern me, guard me. You are mine. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer here, we celebrate you. We rejoice with you. The Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ. And same with you at home. But if you're here, let somebody know before you leave because we want to be able to celebrate that newness and, and be able to pray for you and encourage you. So let somebody know. If you're online, let us know. Uh, go to the website, reslifeny.org. Scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. Just say, I prayed today. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, if you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. If you want us to contact you, give us your name and some contact information, and we will this week. God is a good God. He is doing great things. You live in a broken world with an enemy that's trying to break you down every day. But listen, he's already been defeated Amen. by the one that lives in you. Jesus said, I'm going to come and make my abode in you. And he does it through the Spirit of God. And the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you, as a child of God, knowing your rights, your privileges, that you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you could tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And you could show forth fruit for God's glory to affirm your Jesus' follower and to show other people what they can have. And who they can have. Amen. Would you stand? Remember, sign up, start today for the Boilermaker. Make yourself available to that. It's a great opportunity. I want to mention also that on that Sunday, we will have one service here at 1030. We won't have this, the uh, 830 service, so you guys are all good. The other people have to make an adjustment. Um, but it really is an amazing opportunity to be able to serve that many people in that length of time and pray for them as they go by. The other thing, be praying. We, we just need to ask God, what part do you have for me to play in this? What, what is my role? Uh, as Rabbi Stewart comes, uh, does God want you to give something? You know, sometimes God asks us to give sacrificially, and it doesn't make sense to us but the reason why God does that, he does that because he doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. And he's trying to loosen up the ground around us and maybe get us out of being secure in what we have instead of whose we are. Amen? So I just want to pray for you before you go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your children here, those that are online. You're with us all. And Father, we know to this week, You've got a plan for us. You go ahead of us and prepare the way, and the plan is for good with a future and a hope. 
We also know the enemy's out there and he's trying to set traps. But Father, we thank you that you can guide us and govern us and guard us to navigate through every one of those traps and be able to show forth your glory. Father, even in the things that we encounter that we didn't expect, we don't understand and we don't like, whether it's from the enemy or whether it's you just loosening up some things or even bringing nutrients to our life, fertilizing us. Father, we're going to look to you. Lord, we're going to trust in you and rely on you. And Holy Spirit, we're going to choose to be led by you and allow you to have your way in us, that your fruit would be very prominent in our lives and our Father would be glorified. Our Lord would be affirmed as who he is in our lives and people would know. Know the life that is possible through you. Father, I thank you for your abundant blessing on your people this week, that they can be a blessing to those around them. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.